five. <laughs> We're finally back to cover round 11 that happened 18 years ago. How are you, me old mate Mick? I'm good, buddy. Yes, it's a long time coming, but, you know, it's the year that it is. Oh, How are you going? Well, we kind of held off, so for the listener, apologies, it's come a little bit late. We kind of did hold off because, like, we have no idea what was going to happen. You know, uh, games weren't even, like, you know, hadn't even booked a venue up until yesterday. The Adelaide Collingwood game hadn't even been booked a venue, so we were pretty sort of like, you know, well, what, what does this look like? Um, this whole yeah. thing could turn into hubs pretty quickly, so... <clears throat> we wanted to sort of wait a little bit and just see where it was going, but we had a few bits and pieces on yesterday. Um, so we'll have a bit of a chat about round 11, which is obviously a long time ago now, which is not, not as relevant anymore, and done a bit of a chat about round 12 and, and, and the general goings-on. But um, it seems at least they've found venues for, <laughs> for each of the games. Um, yeah, at least you know the games appear to be going ahead. Obviously, a lot of things can change. There's that obscene situation now with this South Australian... I mean, where do we even start? We'll get into it in a minute, but, you know, the South Australian health minister saying don't touch the ball. So if the ball goes into the crowd, if the Collingwood players don't touch it, don't duck. You need to duck, don't touch it. Because all Victorians have COVID. Yeah, exactly. So She just looks so stupid. Made it, like... Anyway. Well, South Australians Australians don't have the best... Exactly, and I was just going to lean into that. They don't exactly have the best reputation for intelligence. And then this woman comes out and it's like... Is she for real? Like, they were, she's like, oh, sweaty. She literally was like, sweaty men have touched the ball. And then, you know, what if it gets into the crowd and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, like, anyway, so that woman. Um, so uh, big thanks to uh, our sponsor, Hopstone. I actually have an anecdote about Hopstone. I had some Hopstone beers uh, in lockdown uh, the last day or two. Beer Farm. I'd never heard of this brewery, Beer Farm, um, from somewhere in and around Margaret River. I'd never, never heard of them. Fantastic um, IPL. So really, really good way to try fresh craft beer, hopstime.com.au. Uh, great sponsors it's of ours. IPL. IPL. They made an English Premier League they, cricket. They made, they made a, a, a How did they get over the border? That's amazing. Exactly. Somehow. Uh, well, it's the Indian variant. There you go. <laughs> this is a terrible <laughs> joke. Um, but, uh, yeah, very impressive beer, um, very well mm. made, interesting selection of hops. Um, yeah, I, I was very impressed by it. I, as I said, you know, we, we keep saying with um, Hops to Home, it's a great selection of beers that, you know, delivers stuff from all over the country and packs it into packs and, and stuff that, you know, you'd, you'd not um, get the chance to try it because I, well, I haven't been to a bottle shop for a while, obviously, in lockdown. Um, but on top of it, you, you're also... Um, well, the bottle shops are open, but still, you're not really, you know, getting out there so much, browsing for you know plenty of time. You kind of have to get in there and get the hell out of there, given the current situation. But um, in in Victoria, but yeah, it, it's a very good way to try stuff that you know wouldn't necessarily reach our our state here, and and vice versa. I'm sure for for WA people tasting Victorian stuff in the pack too. So for our WA listeners, there's plenty of stuff available from Victoria to and all over the country. Absolutely. Great um, way to get fresh craft beer delivered to your door, as we say each and every week. And we do. I'll back up old mate here and say, yeah, it's great to <laughs> get a selection of stuff that you just you don't don't even see in the bottle shops a lot of the time. So, and as you said, they they put a gun at your head here in Victoria. You got twenty seconds. Get in, get out. So you're just gonna grab and run. I think the problem is too is like the bottle shops here get reamed with Victorian reps. That, and yeah. it's fair enough, like running around from, from the breweries here, so they're pretty pressured to buy Victorian beer. So I think they probably don't get the, the chance to come across some of these, you know, smaller WA, um, you know, distributors and or, or breweries. So, yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, no, very good way to try fresh craft beer. Uh, round 11, so 12 years ago, uh, we had the Dogs D's game, which... You know, it was really a game that we thought would be one of the games of the year. It started really well, and then it was pretty shit. I mean, it, no, it was game. a Yeah, I mean, woeful. it was woeful in the end. But it was like, it was something, it was a very mature performance from Melbourne. And, and the more I reflect on the game, the more I look back on it like that. And even basic things like, you know, harms completely taking... Libba out of the game and turning it around where 
because we've commented already what why why teams not tagging Libba. He's you know had an incredible season. He's so influential the way they play their game. I would have thought that's a better tag than than a McRae. And I, I don't understand why that's not happened more often. And it completely worked. And yeah, they were faster, more efficient, and and they were far better on the outside. And they just spread too quickly and and completely stopped that that long handball that the dogs like. But what did you think of this game? I mean, this this obviously, as we said, it was a poor game overall, particularly for a neutral observer. But it was an interesting game for Melbourne's you know dominance and maturity. Yeah, absolutely, and and. and- I'll focus on Melbourne. I think there's more to focus on Melbourne. Uh, it was one of those games where good teams, in, in this case, the Dogs had a, a, a dog game, um, but it shows the maturity, as you mentioned, of this Melbourne team and how much – I guess they spent a bit more time researching the opposition that they're coming up against than they've done previously because <clears throat> they've had a talented list for at least three, maybe four years now, and it was obviously that – bit of champagne football that uh, was the, on show early on and then they sort of got it together and, and then they had a couple of seasons where they, they weren't reaching their, um, the standards that everyone thought uh, they should be at. And this year, in this game in particular, it, it showed that they did a bit, a lot of research and, and noted by that lockdown on, on Libba, which, yeah, I'm like you, I'm surprised that um, more teams haven't tried to put the clamps on, on Libba. Uh, McRae's always going to find the footy. Uh, the Bond's always going to have a bit of an influence, whether it's a quick couple of goals here to, to, to balance things out or have a blinder like he's been doing. But you, you stop with me that that's essentially that first um, link in a chain of, yeah. of events that the dogs have been using all, all year. So uh, I think they've set a little, uh, little means for other teams to try, try and deliver and obviously you've got to be very good to be able to do it. But, yeah, look, Melbourne were very, very good, and you can see they're starting to, to gel in that forward line. I think they've got that mix right. I think um, Jackson, McDonald, and Wiedemann will probably stay together for a while, um, at least for another month or so uh, before they switch anything around or if something bad happens. So and the rest of the team, yeah best back line in the comp and arguably top three midfield in the comp as well. Oh, I think definitely top three. I think they might, yeah, I think they're probably the second best um, mid at the moment. But I think only ironically behind the dogs in terms of overall season. But I think, yeah, look, Harms is a very good tagger. It completely worked. It's interesting what you're saying with the forward line as well, though. I mean, what, what do they do with Brown then? I don't, I, I agree with you. I think they're probably going to keep it this way. And, and um, our man Sam had a, had a, you know, good night in the end. I kicked the three, but um, was near it. A lot of a lot of supply. He could have had an enormous night. Um, I could have had eight contested marks, really. Yeah, he could have had he a ridiculous night. Yeah, mm-hmm. he just missed a bunch of opportunities. And that, and look, you know, he's he's um, still finding his way back in the side. But um, I mean, what do they do with Brown then? So they just keep Brown on the out. Like he's just they've they've paid for this. This forward that this you know that you know he's not getting a game. Yeah, and I guess it's the dilemma. And, 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 and Song Google would be going. one of the best things that could happen. That I'm I'm coming in area of which forward to play with. As uh, I mean, obviously McDonald was on the outer and he had to pull his pull his socks up, and he has um, both Brown and Weedham, and they had to fight to get their um, names back onto the, that top twenty-two because Melbourne started a blistering form after. They both went down just before the season started. Um, and then oh, I think Luke Jackson. Luke Jackson is obviously the best could backup say. ruckman of, the, of that group. So that's yeah. why he gets in because he's backup ruck. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess until someone has a really bad game or two, uh, um, that's going to be the difference between who comes in and comes out at the moment. None of those mid mid to small forwards are going anywhere because they're all playing extremely good football and just adds a nice balance. Um, and I think it's, I guess, good thing for a D supporter. <laughs> well, Brown, the, the we commented on Brown, and I, I've said this from the beginning with Brown, well and truly back into the North days, but he is a very one-trick pony. He's very good at that yeah. trick, but he is really a one-trick pony. He's the lead mark forward. He doesn't really have a lot of diversity to his game, um, but he is very good at what he does. I think in another era, he becomes an older era. He probably becomes a better player. 
I think in the modern era, he is a bit of a one-trick pony. Um, yeah, I'm not... It's interesting, too, because Melbourne have a, a dilemma where they want to keep playing, you know, your Wiedemans and these kind of guys because if somebody does come with a godfather massive offer for him, they need him to play because they need to sell something. Otherwise, it becomes a bit of a mystery. So it, it is, I'm not saying that he's going to leave, but even just dangling that carrot is 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 still interesting. So I don't know. I think, you know, Jackson, you're right. Jackson, they can't, he's kind of like <clears throat> secured himself even more because of the backup ruck situation and it, you know, which they didn't have with, you know, Gorn was um, playing way too many minutes for a long time there. And, 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 you know, that was why he was, you know, gassed. And I think a lot of the time, I mean, a lot of it was mental too, but a lot of the time, you know, missing terrible set shots and making really bad mental errors, I think, because he was completely gassed. So now having him, you know, in a position where he can get some time on the bench and rethink, and particularly as the captain. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it is a very interesting situation, you know, they've gone after. But look... People forget, you know, they actually didn't pay a lot for, for Ben Brown, um, both no. in terms of contract and then also in terms of uh, his, his deals very spread out. Um, and then they, well, yeah. I mean, ultimately, um, Ben, I can't remember Ben Brown's manager, but whoever the company is um, and or agent, the, they, um, they blinked in terms of the deal because North offered initially quite a high-paying shorter deal it was like three or four years at quite good money they said no they wanted five years and then it all fell apart and then obviously north realized they were completely off the cliff and and were looking to blow the team up um but yeah they actually didn't pay much not, melbourne didn't pay much in terms of draft picks and they, they they're not actually paying him that much either he's only on like 600 or odd six six fifty ish um which is actually not that much really like it's in terms of the big scheme of things <clears throat> um so it's not nothing but it's not anything but anyway that's a, it's a longer conversation but it's an interesting one um but yeah going back to what you said no doubt melbourne's got clearly the best back line now um without any doubt i think in the league currently uh, lever is you know uh, rance-esque he's become now i think a clear general uh, his body language through the whole game is, was outstanding um, his control down back, his ability to to read the play two or three steps ahead is is very impressive, and the synergy between he and May is Grimes Rance esque. It's got that um, it's got that feel in terms of the the you know the you know Scarlet Harley synergy. It's got that mm. feel that you know these two very very good backmen. Um, yeah, they have to play with each other <clears throat> exactly. No. Know each other's patterns and where yeah. to position themselves, which when to switch players, when when to yeah, one oh, may may usually goes for the the, the one on one uh, role and leave the plays that, that loose intercept uh, role, but they both can do either. The no crowd was horrible, obviously, like it had no energy, um, and I'm glad that <clears throat> the AFLs decided to keep moving the games out of Melbourne because while we have no crowds, it, it's just it's very. Um, it's a difficult watch. I think everybody agrees. But interestingly, you know, the flip side of that is that with um, no crowds, I mean, it's a little bit hard on the telecaster here because they keep putting the fake crowd over the top, which I don't know, that's a whole separate conversation, whether that's good or bad. But uh, I think there's good and bad things about it. But in terms of um, Melbourne and their back line, one thing that was interesting about no crowd is you could clearly hear the players communicating. And even on the telecast, you could hear, you know, Lever through the corridor, through the corridor, and, you know, block this and block that, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, uh, they've got incredible communication between them. And, and even this stat here, so between May, Lever, uh, Rivers, uh, Petty, they had 33 intercept possessions. Like, that. that's, you know, enormous numbers. Um, and, and to back over it, May and Lever now, as I said, have incredible synergy, but May's game was... Was exceptional on its own as well, um, and, and yeah, look, as we've said already this year, they're benefiting heavily from uh, Petrarca getting more attention um, with Oliver, you know, being able to get completely off the chain now. Um, the, I mean, look, Brayshaw is also playing a very selfless role. He, you know, came third in the Brownlow not that long ago. He, he could easily get massive possessions and you know play a very different role. But you know, going back to our man as well around how, you know, much Sam's talked about how good 
Mark Williams has been for the team. <clears throat> Another big um, fan and someone that's spoken publicly about how much they think Williams has had an impact on the team. Brayshaw's, you know, said that he's he's been astronomical for the team and he's he's got a very different role this year, but he really took Bontempelli out of the game and, and in large percentages of the game, I think. Mm. Um, he was very good at blocking him. He was very, very good at guarding his space and knowing what he would do. He clearly did his homework and he finished with like 13, 14 possessions. But I, th- I actually think he was one of the best players in the ground, which, you know, you wouldn't, you're not going to see him in the top five votes and stuff. But in terms of impact on the game, purely on what caused Melbourne to win, he harms people like that. They're, they don't have high possession games, but they're the ones that, you know, took other players out of the game and, and, and caused to go into what, what it ended up being like. 28 points, which, points. you know, it was it was pretty controlled in the end. So, yeah, and then and it just keeps going. Like, McDonald's having an unbelievable season. I mean, who would have thought this guy who, you know, really has had a couple of pretty difficult seasons recently, um, he's one of the... I actually think he's one of the stories of the year, to be honest. Like, he... Look, I, I had no confidence in him to turn around anywhere near like this, particularly when, you know, um, with Wiedemann's injury, they realised they needed to put him more forward rather than on the wing. And then now he's turned around and become, you know, one of the more bankable forwards in the game. It's incredible. Like, he's completely turned it around. Oh, yeah. If, if Brown and Wiedemann didn't go down in the first half of the year, we wouldn't know what other player Tommy Donald was this year because he wouldn't have got in. Yeah. <clears throat> Those two were definitely the starters and... He's a, a good on him. It's, 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 what was it, 2018 or 2017 when he had that breakout season? 18. When they moved in forward. Yeah. That's, that's, <clears throat> yeah, that's top of, top of football he's playing again. And um, just like the rest of the team, very selfless. There's always team first attitude, but he's marking well. He's leading patterns are really, really good. Um, he's a pretty hard to match up on because he's, he's big, but he's very mobile. Like he moves around like the mid size forward. We keep going about Melbourne because there's a lot to talk about, but I think <clears throat> I do. It was funny. I did take note during the game. I was like, "Will that Adelaide loss, that you know ridiculous loss last week, um, will that be the Essendon 2000? You remember the 2000 year where they only lost the one game <clears throat> to the Western Bulldogs, and Chris Grant kicked that goal late in the fourth, and, and Essendon just missed out on having the perfect season and, and not losing a game. I'm not saying that'll necessarily go that far, but. I do wonder whether they'll look back on that Adelaide game where they should have won the game. That was a clear free kick to, to Melbourne late for deliberate. I do wonder whether they'll, you know, history will look back on that game and think, wow, that was one of the one of the times that, you know, a team came very close to, to getting a perfect season. There's the example of Geelong in 2008 as well where they only lost the one game and it was only by, what, like 30 points or 25 points. Like it was very close again as well. So... And Essendon, I think Essendon lost that game by like 10 points or even less. So that's the, I think that's statistically the closest in the current format. Um, so They played the, play the Doggies again too. Play yeah. Year. So. yeah. <clears throat> and then the flip side is let's get to the Dogs because we've got to talk about them as well. But, I mean, Melbourne we could keep talking about. But, yeah, I, I couldn't be more impressed, obviously, with them. And how long has it been? I was thinking tonight before we started recording. I mean, I think it's legitimately been decades since I would say that Melbourne had a mature performance. Like, legitimately, like, I'd be going that far back where I would say they had a properly mature performance through the whole match and outplayed them. And we're outcoached as well. I think Goodwin had an outstanding night and his group were out completely outcoached beverage on the night. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Dogs, yeah, look, obviously they were, they were poor, but... You know, they're two, two big drivers of their play in, in Bont and Liver were taken out of the game and, and they just didn't have the answers. They've been up for a while. And I think you can <clears throat> not excuse it, but I'm not sure that you can go too hard on them. They've obviously had a very, very good season. But to be honest, the, the, the biggest problems with the Dogs, the glaring issues were, were very glaring in that their back-half turnovers were, were horrible. And, and the simple reality is I think we, we, we really, as a you know, footballing, I don't know, community, whatever. I just don't think the dog's defence is very good. And I think that's a massive concern. And I think, I just don't, I'm not sure this team's going to go all the way with the kind of defence that they've got. I think they've got away with it. I think they've played a few average teams where they've got away with it. But then on top of it, they've got, you know, such a ridiculously stacked midfield that when it works, it doesn't get problematic for the back line that often. 
but I, I, I think it is a it is a real concern. I think if we did have a proper mid-season trade period, the dogs would be heavily going after a number of defenders to try and patch that up pretty quick because, you know, Keith... It'd be interesting. Yeah. I didn't, sorry, <coughs> just while we're talking no, about it. Go, go. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't look in and see who they got in the rookie draft and whether they've been able to... Um, sort of fill that little gap because I'm sure internally they know that that's that's the one area that they, they need support. Obviously, their midfield stacked to the nines. Yeah, forward forward lines looking extremely good, and they've still got pace coming back. But none of them are big key defenders. They're they're, they're running back defenders like John and um, oh, who's the old captain Easternwood. Easternwood, yeah. So I mean, Easternwood can play big, but. You're going to come up against. Uh, I'm just going to use Tom Tomahawk and Tex Perkins as examples. Like these big key forwards, you can't match. You cannot match them. Walker, not Tex Perkins. Tex Perkins, he's big. Yeah, he's a he actually is a big boy. Um, he plays music, not football. He plays the guitar. <laughs> uh, no, no, 100. percent I agree. But I, I, yeah. I, I know the dogs have the outs that they've got. I agree that Wood coming back is important. I agree that they've got injuries down there that, that doesn't help. But I really do feel, looking through the looking glass a little bit, I just feel they are one good defender short of being a premiership. Oh, so yeah, I agree. That, I really do think that. I think that, out. yeah. Those, those outs aren't going to fill that <coughs> massive void of a, a big key defender. Agree, absolutely, yeah. 100% with what you're saying. They're one serious defender. And I do wonder whether they would have, I, I don't know what kind of cap space they have, but whether they could have gone after a broad who, you know, a lot of teams have gone after at Richmond who's on lesser money, whether they could have tried to pluck him out of Richmond. Um, somebody like that, I think, you know, with, with speed and, and now out of defence could could be important. I know he's not the big defender you want, but how many big defenders are on the market right now? We spoke, you and I spoke about maybe Talia, but he's he's been injured anyway. I know that was pr- prior to the injury, but I... I, I don't know whether that's that's the the best. But at the time when we spoke a year ago, that that looked like it could be a possibility. But anyway, the, 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 yeah, the, the, can't really bring him back to the dogs. That's that, no. that's where he had the whole situation with his brother and all that stuff. So it's a bit it's a bit awkward. But um, yeah. So that might actually that might be a bit weird. But you know you know what I mean. Like it's more that there aren't many big key defenders on the market right now that I know. No, of. exactly so, right. And going back to the rookie draft, we might have a look at that next week because that only happened a day or so ago. And we've both been too busy to sort of look at it too heavily, but let's have a look at that over yeah. the next seven days and um, chat about it next week. But um, yeah, wow, Mel- Melbourne are a bloody good side. They're a bloody good side, and 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 they're, they're clearly the best side in the league, I think. Um, and the ladder obviously says that, but I think there's no doubt about it. Every time the ladder lies a little bit, but it doesn't lie right now. And I think uh, they they've got far and away the best defense I think in the league. They've got probably the second best yep. midfield, and they've got a very good forward line. And they get, and <coughs> obviously we'll talk about it very soon. But uh, we get to have a chance to see how good they are this weekend when they take on the the, the lines up at the Gabatoire. The Toire. Um and then in in one of the worst games I reckon I've ever seen. I, I only Mate, saw bits and pieces of this. Was this, was this the worst Saturday? Was this the worst Saturday of football in history? Or at least recent history, it was horrible. Just a horrible day of football. Well, period. But the, the it saved it just at the end, and and I know it was very bad. But I, I, I honestly think top two to three games of the year, the Eagles, yeah, um, true. Essendon game was outstanding. But but you're right. Every other game was was pretty bad. This was dour. This was unwatchable. This was boring. This was you know. So the third quarter time stats. One goal, 11, Collingwood, to five goals, 11, Geelong. Nobody wanted to win this game. Um, Geelong, again, have another one of these scrappy wins um, like the Hawthorne game and a a couple of others where I'm simply not convinced that they're going to be. They'll be there, obviously. They'll be there in abouts. But are they going to be the team that that wins the premiership? I don't know. I know. This is, again, three, so many quarters or Period, long periods of time where Geelong, <coughs> all their brains just get switched off. So they didn't kick a goal in the third quarter. Yeah, they kicked eight goals for the day. I mean, like a team that kicks eight goals. The reality is, like, you know, they beat Richmond. You go back to that Richmond game. They play like the way they've played in a lot of the other games this year and Richmond, even with the outs they had that day, they won't lose that game. So horrific inaccuracy, one of the worst kicking days you've ever seen. Um, so six, final score, 6-15, 
to 8.13. So both teams going nowhere near 50%. Um, it really highlighted, I think, you know, right now, we spoke about last week, I think, you know, the, the allocation of money in the league obviously is, is all, well, not always been poor, but it has been poor for a long time. And this, this you know, proves, I think, that every club clearly needs a full-time um, goal-kicking coach to the point that, you know, now we've, we're in the worst set of accuracy in history right now with, with the current team since stats have started to be recorded. So I think the reality is a game like this is, is not a game that, that should happen. And you wonder why the crowds are bad. I mean, this is this, why, why would you go out to watch this? It's a joke. So half-time yeah. score, 0-7. So no goal for Collingwood the entire time. They kick seven points. That's it. To five eight, which is pretty bad in itself. So that they don't, that's the thing that you know the bar is so low that you look at that and think, well, five eight's terrible. Whereas you know zero and seven is a joke. So I think that this yeah. is the thing. It's it, it was horrendous and a terrible day for Colin with you know with Grundy going down for a few weeks as well. And um, yeah, nothing was was won or lost in this game. It, 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 you know, people that watch this game in full, I, I feel for you because I, I could not sit through this. It was so boring. Cats were lucky to win it in the end, actually. I mean, Collingwood kind of held on and um, had, a, had a pretty good fourth quarter, I guess, for, for how poor the game was. But, um, yeah, couldn't get it done. Yeah. What, do you, what do you say out of this game? Main was good. Chris, you know, go was okay. But, yeah, I don't know. As a whole, like, again, Ladder doesn't usually lie in Collingwood or a bottom three side. Um, <laughs> some people are saying that they're the worst side in comp at the moment. Um, and, I mean, as long as... The longer Grundy's out, the the less likely they are to win games. Um, apparently, Maine's out as well, so not ideal for, for the for the Pies. And yeah, I'd be concerned if I was a Cats supporter too. That they really should have won this by 40, 50 points. Yeah, it's a concern clearly, and and they're they at the moment they switch on and off, and they honestly, I think, have been lucky in a couple of games. They should they shouldn't have beaten Hawthorne. And um, and they shouldn't have won this game either. So I think I think they've gotten very lucky. Uh, and and teams that end up getting lucky at the back end are not necessarily teams that win the flag. So no. yeah, look, it's 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 interesting, um, I guess, in that discussion. But that is a bit more crystal ball. But yeah, Collingwood, um, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, in a very and you know now off field, um, they've had the board challenge with um, you know old mate Brown coming out now wanting to challenge and it's such an embarrassing situation now off field and well, the players um, in the, yeah the footy department might want to come back to Victoria at the moment they'll be quite happy to stay interstate I would have thought yeah. what's going on back here it's a sad Crazy. situation I mean I, I just think the board are, have completely cocked this up beyond belief and and now there's highly likely to be a um, a coup in the board and I mean that's just such a sad set of circumstances and you know I, I you know. Does Buckley stay and all that kind of stuff? I mean, who knows? But um, right now, that they look pretty pretty bland as a, as a bare minimum. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not convinced on Geelong at all. They can't keep having these kind of games because the reality is they'll have a game like this against a good team, and then that'll set them back. So um, yeah, there's such an on and off side at the moment. I'm I'm, I'm honestly not convinced. Um, I only have them a rung above Port, to be honest. I think Geelong are yeah. um, they're, they're not in that top group of teams. I'm, I'm convinced. No, a team play the absolute best football <clears throat> all the time. Yeah, hundred percent. A team that is uh, with what's I think six in a row now. Um, Brisbane pumped um, the Giants. They could have won by a lot more. Really, um, really went into third gear and even second gear a little bit in the second half. There was no threats really at all. Half time, ten seven to four one. They pumped the Giants. Uh, and then 14 10 to 5 3. They weren't even necessarily that accurate. And then 19 15. Uh, but there was no pressure, no real desire or need to, um, you know, to go much harder. Their percentage is pretty good. And they know it's a long season and, and we're on six in a row. So there wasn't really any need to kind of keep pushing it. But all, all the usuals. I think Robinson had a, an incredible game, um, one of his best games for, for the club. Um, 30 disposals, 4 1, you know, 12 marks. He was outstanding. Um, lights you know, out for ball. Yeah. Lights out. Zorko was really good. McInerney. Um, yeah, look, you know, Lyons consistently, you know, proving how good he is. Rich was really good as well. Um, you know, some of the midfield for JWS were okay, but, you know, up forward, they're, they're, it's pretty bad things at the moment. You're always, I mean, Taranto, <clears throat> Whitfield, Ward, Hopper, I mean, they very rarely have bad games. They, you take the, the rest of the team though and you go, mm, did they compete? Did they have a crack? Probably not. 
not the way that they want anyway. And that forward line's yeah, well, it doesn't exist. Women Green's not there. Let's be honest. And that's the problem: is no no green, no no giants. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think they're 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 a long way away from it. And I heard you know very um, strange commentary after this on on the Sunday, and then just generally people saying, oh, you know got to give the Giants a bit of a pass mark in the press and it's like, are you serious? Like, I don't know what game you saw and I'm not sure if you've looked at the ladder, but this, this team's not making finals. So I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what you're seeing. I know they're sitting at 10th, but I'd be so shocked. I think the eight set, um, I think that's it. I think that not in that order, but I think the eight is set. Essen and, and maybe West Coast out are really the only way it could go, I think, to be honest. I think that's about it. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what game they're watching. And then Saints North, it's a pretty nothing game, obviously, two teams that are so far out of contention. Um, <clears throat> St Kilda at 12th, I know in theory are a chance, but they're not playing Seriously. finals. Yeah. No, they beat, they beat North Melbourne by 20 points um, yeah. and still can't kick straight in perfect conditions. At, um, yeah. What was it that he had? Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did, didn't learn anything out of this, except I, I think North Melbourne have got some really good kids. Mm. They're going to just start to learn how to play at this level. Um, and they'll be good in a couple of years, I reckon. So they can get them all together. Yalaki was good. Um, Zebel was better. Uh, Zerha had a decent game as well. You know, some of these kids look look good. Um, Cunnington was great. Obviously, Simkin looks really good. Hall, these yeah. kind of guys. Yeah, Jason Simkin's going to be a really good player for, for a yeah. long time. Uh, just whether they yeah, can keep him there. And, and as we said, like we knew that Davis Uniac when he came in, was going to be a working progress and he started to repay the faith. He's, he's starting to put a few games together of, of, of pretty good football uh, sort of team that doesn't uh, have the depth and the, the skill set to win enough games. So, yeah, very... Look, St Kilda got the win. Should have been huge, but they don't know how to win huge. They can barely kick the ball straight, let alone get a percentage. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, so not, not much to all of that. And then Gold Coast Hawthorne. What do you, what do you, what do we say about that? I mean, yeah, Gold Coast by thirty-seven. Uh-uh. Yeah. This, the, the, I mean, without using the same cliche that uh, with, this was a, a collision in slow mo, and the game was so boring. It was yeah. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Hawthorne supporter. It, it just. <sighs> Witches hats and I mean, some look like boys. Like they just, uh, they must be by kilograms the smallest team in you know in the AFL. They just got out muscled, couldn't hold tackles. Um, Gold Coast did whatever they felt like were leading from where to go, and yeah, the type of game that they've. Probably lost in previous years. Uh, got the job done. Not much to say out of this game, really. No. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, I mean Hawthorne are a long way off, and and the Gold Coast, you know, played a pretty weak opposition. So what do you say? Exactly. No, uh, that's about probably it. Probably let's go into the game that was worth talking about. <laughs> it, was, it, it was a horrible day. Let's let's be honest. Um, <clears throat> close game. So I think this was one of the better games of the year. So close game, except really on the scoreboard. And what I mean by that is that, you know, half time, so nine goals flat to 5-7, um, you'd think, oh, what, you know, Eagles in control, nine straight. Through this, it was clear, even in the first quarter and certainly through the bulk of the second, that Essendon should not only be in front, they should be in front by. They should have gone into half time, I reckon, 20 points up. Well, honestly, I think they were that much better. They were that much more efficient. They, um, the thing, I mean, look, the Eagles, they just look tired. They look tired through large sections of this game, which is a massive concern. It is round 11. Like, I, you know, Stewart did pretty well in the ruck. Nat Nui was pretty choppy through bits of it. I, I heard him heralded through bits and pieces of the media. It's like, what game did you watch? Like, I think they were so complacent with the lead. The Eagles as well, like it was pretty clear that they were, they were only in the league because of their accuracy. That's the thing. And it was one of those games where Essendon, we always talk about accuracy, but Essendon, they, they didn't let it get to them. They just kept pushing and kept sticking to the plan. And they're obviously buying whatever truck is selling them because it, it worked. The, it, what the, the coaching group has sold them a game plan that absolutely works. And it all came together, particularly with Stringer as well, having... An outstanding game, and the kids were 
were excellent. Archie Perkins, you know, Merritt probably had one of his best games I think I've seen him play. Heppel was incredible. Um, it all happened. And, and you know, there was periods, in it, you know, through the second half where, you know, Essendon had like 16 to 3 insides at one point. They had a lot of opportunities. They, they should really have won by – they should have belted West Coast, to be honest. Like this was – this in the end, so 71 to 87, That that is one of the – Worst, you know, everyone always says, oh, the score wasn't so reflective of how the game was played. This is like one of the biggest like blowouts of, of that theory because this should have been Essendon, I reckon, by 45 points, honestly, that far. Um, I honestly think they should have really put them to the sword. Um, they were so much more better at, at controlling the ball and, you know, their flip intercepts were so much better. Um, I do feel like Essendon need one more offensive target to be that team that can then pump it into the aid and you know hooker was yeah. really good but i do feel relying on hooker and stringer i'm not as the two prong um with with uh, all the bits and pieces around them i think the smaller pieces around them are very good but oh, hooker's 32 so how much yeah, that's the problem yeah i think they do need one more piece and um but you know even like even simple things like at the start of the third quarter it, it started raining and um essendon worked the conditions so much better than the Eagles on their home deck and capitalised on it and got a couple of goals ahead. And it just, you know what it's like, when you capitalise in those kind of conditions, it makes it very hard to come back. And and the Eagles were lazy. They played like they would play in Melbourne. They were Honestly, they were lazy, they were complacent, and they were weak. They, they had the they had the lead and and they blew it. They completely blew it and they choked again. It was another choke job. And it was interesting to see a choke job in the West because you don't see them yeah, do that, that in the West that often. No, they're they're they're, they're going to be lucky to play the play finals this year because that's we we didn't think they'd lose a game as bad as they've been this year. Inconsistent as been this year, I didn't think they'd lose a game um, over there, except to maybe one of the top teams. So they'll lose this game. Um, and again, yeah, I, I saw some highlights. So I didn't see much of it, but they just they lack the pressure um, oh. that Essen that Essen bought. Um, it, it's interesting that Essen haven't re-signed so many players at, at this point in time. Um, considering that they, they all, yeah, you know, as you said, they they're all drinking the cool way that uh, the truck has, has bought yeah. them. And they they look fantastic. Their midfield's uh, working really well. Phillips is, and they've got some players to come back. I think putting Heppel permanently in, on that halfback flank's been a, a great um, decision as well. He's, well, I think that game he went at like high eighties or even ninety percent disposal efficiency. He had like twenty six or twenty seven touches. I mean, he's a topper. He's not too dissimilar to Yuli Koch. Like probably not as skillful, but. Still, he went high in the draft, uh, just knows how to position himself and just marshal plays around him. And, yeah, they're, they're playing great. And, obviously, Darcy Parrish is finally getting his chance in the middle, uh, like we said a few weeks ago, and he's uh, relishing that. They've, they've still got um, old mate Dylan Shield to come into this midfield. Like, <coughs> it's, it's pretty it's pretty up, up and up for the supporters if they, they can get that key forward that they're missing or one or two to help Stringer out. Yeah, this, this team could be something in the next year or so. And, and Brown, they could play finals this year. Well, ironically, Brown was linked to Essendon. I wonder whether Ben Brown should have gone to Essendon because I think he would have had more opportunities. There's less forwards on the list. Hooker's a lot older. I, I do wonder whether that would have been a better decision for his career. And obviously now it's easy to say that in hindsight, but... Um, yeah, completely to back you up. I think having I watched this game from start to finish, and I mean it was embarrassing defence from the Eagles across the ground. Um, the review of this game should have been absolutely scathing. It was lazy defence at at best, and you know there were a number of examples of this late. They were shockingly still in the game just because Essendon um, some of their accuracy wasn't great, and, and the Eagles had been very accurate. Um, they'd mm. gotten lucky, you know, quite early. And, and yet, look, to their credit, they were accurate. But, um, you know, everyone in Australia knew that play. Hooker loves to take it out of the ruck and, and, and snap uh, for goal. And, and it was obvious he was going to do that. There wasn't other opportunities in front of him. And and horrific defence to not only allow that well, the, the mids around Nat Nui to try and block that from happening. Not only did they leave space for uh, Hooker to do that, but on top of it, there was nobody on the goal line. 
I mean, that's just, you know, junior yeah, football lazy. stuff. It's just simp- simply lazy. It's just not, it's nowhere near top level. So I think I, 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 I do worry about them mentally, I, I think, the Eagles. I mean, like, you know, Sheed had a really good game. Um, you know, Gaff has had quietly quite a good season as well. Um, but I mean, they must—they must have got butchered in the West Australian press the following day because this was a game they shouldn't have lost. But um, anyway, well, as a minimum, they should have been a lot further in. But going into what you were saying a minute ago, so I, I did actually break down the stats of Essendon's defence. So in terms of like how high quality um, the ball coming out of defence is, so Heppel uh, twenty-two disposals at ninety percent. <clears throat> Excuse me, Hind twenty disposal disposals at eighty percent. Ridley, 16 disposals at 87. Uh, Laverde, 15 at 93. Redmond, 15 at 93. And Stewart, 10 at 90. Like, it's pretty it's pretty high percentage. So I think, yeah, they're, they're, their back line actually looks decent. And I think, yeah, all they really need is 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 a, you know, a forward really kind of in that, you know, mid-20s bracket. And, and all of a sudden, I 100% agree with you. The decision with Heppel's fantastic for two reasons it's a perfect scenario and it, it worked with Hodge too ironically the example you gave is that you know he obviously helps shore up the defense but then on top of it he gives opportunities to the midfield because he's not there so you know you're right it, it gives you know your parishes and these guys so much more opportunities so um but look anytime a team so you know bombers were down 29 points um to, to close a gap like that is is you know amazing so you know, score a three-quarter time, 10-5 to 9-8, which, as I said, from the really, I think, bits of the first quarter, even, but certainly the second, this was not indicative of what the game should have been. And Essendon ignored the um, ignored the scoreline and just got it done. And, and it was it was an incredible display. And um, to see a game that, you know, a comfort-behind game is always exciting. But, um, yeah, I mean, Stringer was, was huge as well. And when, when he's on, he's on. Doesn't happen often enough, obviously, but yeah. um, he he yeah he, he does have that he does have that quality where you know he you know his good games and his bad games there's certainly huge um, chasms between that, but um, when he's on, he's he's such a good player. He's so damaging. Um, Tim Williams is pretty good as well. So. Yeah, I think if he can keep he keep his body in one piece and get gets used to this midfield. Um, delivery that he's getting, I think we're going to see more of a um, Western Bulldogs stringer um, from a number of years ago where he was playing consistent, got all Australian selection. I think that's what's been missing. A, he's been on and off the field with injuries, but he hasn't had that consistent delivery from a, a good midfield for so long, which now he's going to have. So hopefully he can keep his body fit because he is, he's a pretty exciting player to watch. Um, he can go one-on-one and, and beat most players, but He's, he's got some good leading patterns as well. Cox was really good too. I mean, he's yeah, he, he is a player that I think um, oh, he's so damaging. Yeah. But um, yeah, going back to what you were saying, you know, out of contract players like Merritt had, you know, one of those games, those contract years, those good players have where it's like, wow, what what are they offering? And how, how do they lock this kid down? Because, gee, he can play. Um, anyway, Hooker, Hooker could have had a night out too. He kicked two, three. He could really have kicked... 5-1. I think there was a couple of pretty bad misses there. Um, Stringer could really have had a massive day out too. There was a couple of terrible misses. He kicked one out in the full, pretty much directly in front. Um, yeah, he should really, he should really have minimum have kicked. I think he kicked two, two in the end. I think two, three or something like that. Um, three, two, but that should have been at least four-one. Uh, that was a horrible miss, but um, yeah, look, great, great win for Essendon and uh, does a lot for the confidence of a young group. But yeah, wow, what a piss ball performance let's be honest from the eagles to blow that at home um and then on the sunday good game actually richmond um crows this was this was a good game um i didn't think this would be that good of a game you know going into it but adelaide really started really really well um very well coached richmond were pretty slow out of the blocks um three one to six three half time eight three to seven seven and then richmond um, turned around, led at every break, but it actually was pretty competitive through large sections of the game. Even though you'd look at elements of those stats and think, "Oh, they can't have been that competitive," but it was through through sections of it. Um, Richmond were just yeah a little, little bit slow to get going, but um, you know Rewell kicked five, and and you can see why um, they stuck by old mate Strip Club 
in uh, the, the you know escape the hub and the whole you know nearly blew up a, a billion dollar league <laughs> by going to the strippers. But um, Ke- Callum Coleman Jones had you know a, a day out fatal or is he, it was his a sing- I think it was his second game. Yeah, no. Yeah, second well, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second game. Like he's been on the list for a while, but yeah, he can't. He can't get a game. Obviously. Yeah, he can't get a game because of Lynch and Rewalt. So with Lynch's injury, um, they've given him a go, and he kicked four flat. So yeah, I mean, between him and Rewalt, they kicked nine, nine two. So um, he, he was incredible. Mark of the year and Mark of the year. Yeah, well, Rewalt was was amazing. Um, but yeah, I think look, Coleman, well, Rewalt, we'll get into him. What what a you know renaissance I think he's he's starting to have and. And this is, you know, started, I think, getting to the, the pointy, not pointy end, but like that mid-section of the year, their, their champs will start to step up. And you'll, you'll see a ridiculous game from Dusty in the next few weeks as well, I'm sure. Um, you know, they, they won't go away without a fight. But um, in terms of the kids and people we don't talk about often enough, but I think, you know, Coleman Jones, you can see completely why that they did stick by him. To be honest, it kind of looks like Dugowie in 2018 where, you know, he said the dog ate his homework and all of all, you know, Biddy's dog and all, all the various weird stuff that went on with to go here. Collingwood, we kept thinking, why are they possibly keeping this kid? And in 2018, I was like, well, that's why they're keeping him because he can absolutely play like it's not they're funny. Playing. Um, yeah, so this this kid keep keep his head, you know, screwed on and, and stop going to the strippers. I think he he looks um he looks very very impressive. Um, Bolton had a pretty good return as well. I actually thought Cochum was pretty good. Not not so high in the stats, but ten tackles. I thought he was pretty damaging. Um, three sections of it. Martin had a good game, but obviously Martin's, you know, um, ceiling is so high. Um, unless he gets like, you know, six goals and forty-two disposals, no, no one says he's yeah. had a good game. But yeah, I, short, I really short was good thought, too. I, thought, I really thought Caddy had yeah. a, a really solid game. Like he's he's the forgotten um, player. Like you and I think he he's underutilized. I mean, it's pretty hard when you're in a team like Richmond to constantly get in. But I mean, he comes in with twelve marks, twenty-four disposals at seventy-nine percent. Um, a third of them are uh, contested. I, I just think he brings a nice balance. He can play mid while well, he's lost a little bit of pace, but he's got that big body. But then he can go forward and be damaging there because he's pretty tough to match up on. So I'd like to see him. Uh, be tough to push him out of the side after that that first game return, which seems to be like a couple of months since we last saw him out in the paddock. So that was a good return for him. Yeah, I agree. I think with some of the injuries, he's had the um, he's had the window open a little bit to to get in. Um, but yeah, look, he he looks very very good. Uh, as, as yeah, he, he look yeah, it's hard with him. You know, missed out on one of the flags, and but look, you know, he's he's obviously you know had such a a good career there as well. Um, thought Arts was pretty good too. Prestia looked all right in 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 coming back. It's going to take a Think couple of weeks for him to um, to lift. Nan Kerbis had another pretty good day as well. Uh, the Bolter was pretty good in defence. Um, yeah, but they, they they just you know eventually grinded it out. But Tex had a another really good day. Um, he's having obviously such a great season. Walker with four three, he could really have kicked seven six. Yeah, she was mm. he was outstanding. Uh, Fogarty with three flat as well. It, it's an interesting combination. It won't exist for very long because. You know, Walker surely won't play for more than a couple more years. But uh, Walker and, and, and um, Fogarty is a, an interesting combination. But for a long time, they couldn't figure out how they'd play together. But seemingly, they can. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the kids look good as well. But I mean, they come up against Richmond, who, you know, not this has been at the G. It probably wouldn't have been as close. It ended up being a giant stadium with a pretty, you know, nothing crowd. There was only about 3,000 people, 4,000 people or something. So it was a pretty dead-feeling game. But, um, yeah. They got it done, Richmond, in the end, and they just needed to bank this win. I think. Uh, look for yeah. their for their percentage. I think it would have been a lot better at the G. They pump Adelaide by fifty points, um, and then they've got Essendon next week. If they they went, I don't think they'll pump Essendon, but I think in their scenario, back of house, they would have thought, well, if hopefully we can beat Adelaide by 50, 60 points, and then you know they beat Essendon by twenty or thirty, and that really starts to you know improve their percentage a fair bit. But percentage, it's not to be. I think Richmond. Um, I think Richmond are going to miss out on the top four due to percentage, and then, and then. But look, I, look with with the buy, I'm still not convinced that top four is as um, as great as it used to be. To be honest, I think I think teams can win it outside of there. And well, we've already seen the dogs did it did it recently, so it's only five years ago. It's not that long ago, so um, they just hit hit the thing at the right time. So you can't can't obviously write them off. 
Uh, but yeah, probably not too much more to talk about that game. And then look, SCG, um, Sydney, Carlton, 100 to 78, um, Sydney by 22. What do you say about this game in Sydney kind of just, you know, gathering another win? Um, Franklin, I thought was good. Um, yeah, not much to take out of this. Heaney was good. Cunningham, same old. It's, we're just repeating ourselves. Same old issues with Carlton. Um, you know, blew the lead and, and 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 let that run on go. And yeah, it's same old mistakes really. I, you know, McKay was good. Cripps has been better. Uh, Walsh was pretty good as well. But yeah. same people, same names. Um, yeah, look, yeah, Sydney. I mean, again, I'm gonna apologise to Sydney supporters uh, for my words at the start of the year. Definitely got this team completely wrong. Uh, they're playing some very, very good football. Uh, obviously, great to see uh, Big Buddy back uh, doing what he does best, which is um, taking some marks, taking, kicking some goals. Uh, but obviously, he doesn't need to be the, the leading light for Sydney to win now. Obviously, no. happily Heaney, um, these guys are stepping up year in, year out. Um, and, and, and focal points. He's just a just he's a complete player. He's just so hard, hard at it. He plays like he's about five inches taller than he is. He's just a, a machine. And obviously, Papley coming up against a team that he obviously wanted to go to last year. I think he'd be quite happy that he stayed in Sydney because oh. um, after behind probably St Kilda and quickly. West Coast now. Uh, Carlton would have to be the third most disappointing club this year. I oh, think yeah. you and I thought they were going to be any good, but just no. overall, I think they've been disappointing uh, based on the talent that they had developed and brought in through the draft and then the obviously top up players that they're, they're getting an absolute monster to um, and still not in. Barely in contention to play finals. Yeah, well, I thought that would be poor, as we said so, but <laughs> I'm not so surprised. But um, yeah, McKay like just blew a chance to have a massive day out. Really, unfortunately, he's a kid, obviously, but three five. Uh, it's a you know never never good, but. I don't know. It's so hard with Carlton. Are they poorly? I always think this. Are they poorly coached, or do they just not have a list, or is it a bit of a combination of both? And I, I, I don't know. Well, I guess we're not inside their four walls, as they say. But I'm not convinced either way with with either either scenario. Um, and and Sydney, yeah, look, Sydney just getting it done and and, and keeping that percentage up as well. Because now Sydney are you know at a clear gap now from West Coast and Richmond with 113. They're not up with Port or, you know, Geelong and these kind of teams with into the 120s, 130s, but they're sitting at that clear gap of, you know, 4 5 6% above, you know, West Coast and Richmond. So, um, yeah, you know, nearly 10 they They're really 11% above Richmond. So that that's going to be important, I think, come later in, in the year. Um, the last game, again, not a lot to discuss. It wasn't, wasn't a great round. Um, Port, Frio, yeah. Freo obviously away from home, not not very good. Um, and, and continuing and, to and, do the one thing that yeah, being consistent at this all year is is kicking lots and lots of behinds. Yeah, hor- the horrendous accuracy. So zero seven, this, they kicked in the first. They kick accurately. This becomes potentially an entertaining game at the very least. I mean, zero seven, and they go and finish with nine seventeen as opposed to eighteen seven. Imagine that it was fifteen nine to eighteen seven. Nine, at least 15, that becomes a yeah. <laughs> High scoring game uh, and potentially interesting. So they're just, yeah, they're obviously getting their hands on the on the footy a fair bit and making a contest, but not making a contest at the same time. It's, oh, yeah, there's not much to take out of this game. No, there is not. Uh, so that's round 11. Um, we will do, let's do a bit of a break and then we'll do a round 12 tips chat. All the best. Uh, that is a bit of round eleven discussion. It had, look, it had some good games. I think. I think the uh, had probably three like probably good games. I think the um, West Coast, West West Coast was, was, was good. Yeah, there was some. There was some, definitely some some good moments and, and a couple of good games as well. Adelaide, yeah, Richmond Adelaide good game. was pretty good. And while Carl were disappointed, I think there was parts throughout that Essendon other <coughs> Sydney Carl game that were that were good. Yeah, and I think, like, just as a very brief discussion, but I think, um, you know, you and I have spoken a bit off the podcast about how people say the league is so even. It's not. <laughs> it, it's not. And, and you, you look at the results every week. 
you know, we tipped again eight, I think, you know, every week we're basically tipping minimum seven or eight and nine, and, and yet the league's meant to be so even. How, how are we tipping, you know, such high numbers when, you know, consistently there just aren't that many upsets? Um, so I think, well, I know I tipped eight in my comp. The only one I got wrong was I tipped West Coast by 10 points and, and went the other way by 16. It wasn't like I was miles and miles off either. So that's the thing, like I'm not, obviously Nostradamus and yet, you know, the league's meant to be so even. I think there's a few really clear, really good teams. There's a bit of a rung below that and then there's a, a chasm after that and, and it is a concern and I think, you know, we, we've spoken about this, how, you know, I think a lot of the resources need to be realigned um, pretty pretty quickly, I think, in the league because it's problematic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. From 11th, which is Fremantle, and it's just at the moment, all the way down to 18, those teams are miles from being competitive against anyone above that. Mm, I would agree. Regardless of, regardless of what people go, oh, it was only 10 points between Geelong and Collingwood. It's because Geelong shut down. They turned their brains off. If it was an important game, if they thought Collingwood were a, a chance of playing finals this year, it wouldn't have been a 10-point game. They would have kept the foot on the gas. They switched off. Yeah. Um, yeah. GWS may be competitive. Eston obviously shown light, light and then the top eight are all competitive against each other. But even within there, like Melbourne and Dogs and Brisbane are probably miles ahead of everyone at the moment. Um, and then the rest of the eight are throw a blanket over and then that vastly superior to the rest of the comp. Well, the flip side with Geelong, and you make a good point going back to what you said a second ago, um, but the flip side of, of what I keep saying about Geelong is <clears throat> maybe Chris Scott's right, like in that doing these really keep it close, dour defensive games, I, I, you can mount the argument, and I've heard this argument and I don't necessarily disagree with it. I'm not convinced that's what's going on, but I do wonder whether... He looks at it and thinks, well, everyone's underdone. You know, we had a shit season last year, short of pre-season. It's a tough year. It's going to be even tougher again. It's a long season. The AFL, you know, panicked at the last minute and wanted to appease the fans and went back to full um, full uh, game minutes. Um, there's going to be faster moments through the season too with the rules designed to try and speed the game up. I do wonder whether um, Chris Scott's thought, I'm going to have to do at least four or five pretty dour defensive bullshit games where we win by 10 points and scrap out four or five. And this is what a lot of Geelong fans argue. And I'm not, I actually think it's not a bad argument in that that's, that's a strong possibility and that the, the team, the coaching team, you know, Scarlett and, and, and these guys have looked at it and thought, well, if we play lights yeah, out, we're going to be gassed by the end of the year. It's such a long season. The game's designed to be faster. It, everyone that, like Buddy was saying, I saw this interview with he and um, Jordan Lewis on, on Fox Footy. He was saying that, you know, Buddy was saying it's so much faster and everyone said that that's been out of the game for the last four or five, six months plus that, you know, to 12 yeah. months they've said it's bonkers. You know, Whitfield's been out for a while. He said the same thing too. So I think it was Whitfield. But a num- number of players like that. So I think essentially that, you know, do you can mount that argument. I, I, it's hard because... You play on that teetering edge and think, oh, I'm just going to try and scrap some wins and, you know, 10 points, 10 points, all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, pretty it's risky, tough. risky solution because I know there's a shitload of games to get through, but that said, like, you can you can lose a couple as well. So, so far, Geelong a bit on the right end of the stick and, gee, they're a bloody good side if they could pull that Houdini trick off the whole year and then oh, yeah, and be fresh. Because they, they know that they weren't as fresh going into the grand final and whether that's part of the discussion too. They, they, they were flatter, clearly, than, and they had injuries as well. Dangerfield was, was pretty banged up by the grand final. A number of their players were, were obviously yeah. in poor, well, poor condition. Um, yeah, they're pretty lucky, pretty, pretty lucky this time around. They're going to get a fresh danger for the second half of the season. Exactly, yeah. That's yeah. a very different scenario. But, yeah. you know, so. It may be. Wouldn't surprise me. Scott's pretty widely like that, and, and that's a, it's a strong possibility. It's it's a risky. I wonder whether that's been discussed it's risky, internally. But it's very yeah. risky for sure, but um, whether that pays off in the end um, will, will be very. I can't wait to see them at the back end of the year because of the home and away because they're going to need to turn it on before finals. They can't play this bullshit secretive, you know, scrappy type funny game till the end of the year. They're going to have to turn it yeah. on at some point. So it'll be pretty interesting to see in the next month or so. What it looks like, and that, and obviously they're going to be thinking, oh, we're going to get that many games at uh, Geelong this year now. 
Well, probably so that's not. That's going to change since this round. They got Port in 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 Adelaide round thirteen after the bye, so that that's that's already starts to. And then they get the oh they got the Western Bulldogs um, after that as well. So and then Brisbane, wow. So they've got they're going to get and, and then Essen, and then Essendon. So that, that, they've got until Carlton in round seventeen. Geelong have I think a pretty well yeah. I, I didn't realize how how testy that is going to be. So that 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 will probably reveal elements of where they're at. So. So Big thanks to our sponsors, Hopstahome, hopstahome.com.au. Check out AFL Deep Dive as a promo code on Hopstahome's website. Uh, you get $25 off your first pack. Uh, great way to drink fresh, delicious craft beer from across Australia. Hopstahome.com.au, AFL Deep Dive as a promo code. All the best. Take care. We will have a bit of a discussion soon about round 12. Goodbye. Thanks, guys.